0: Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and Prospects, you came to the right place because that's what this show is all about, covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg.
1: Alright, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 43 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. In our third episode this week, we have a lot of fun topics and player discussion in store with a great guest. But first, my tanned-up co-host, fresh off his family beach vacation from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? How tanned are well, you right now? I can't really I'm, not as,
2: I'm not as tan as I'd like because, you know, with a three-month-old, you can't really stay at the beach as long. So, <laughs> you know, a couple hours a day was like max and had a little rain, but it was nice to just get away and relax and not really do much of anything. So just literally just got back and now we're recording. So, man, I'm excited.
1: Literally, Chris came through the door like five minutes ago. Just like flew <laughs> Sprinting. through the door, took care of the kid onto a pod. He's a champion <laughs> like that. And speaking of champions, we have a great guest making his third, I believe, third tool shed appearance. I'm guessing around six, three from the great state of Arizona. You can find him over at in this league and on his spectacular prospect
3: one podcast, Chris Welsh joins us. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? My guys. And you nailed the height. I mean, I will say like, like maybe some shorter people would do. They correct the height. I'm like, Six, three and three fourths sometimes <laughs> would claim it to be six, four. I might've used round, that in my time, but that was up, yep. Yeah. You round up, you round yep. up a little bit, but I am very glad to be back. And I, I was, I was thinking about this when you were doing the open. So it's a tool shed, like, what you guys got to be what the hammer maybe hammer and nail like i feel like i'm the screw i'm i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna just jack all this up i'm the screw in the tool shed here and you guys are like the hammer and nail or you know you're the 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 big utility ones maybe hammer and wrench maybe that sounds good So a bunch of tool a bunch of tools here we're gonna be talking prospects but you guys did three are you guys like how hardcore are you going right now we we
1: recorded two back to back on Saturday afternoon, one with David Mendelson from Triple Play. Uh, all the trade deadline stuff is. Yeah. Within. Like we were going to try to like trade deadline stuff and some of this stuff on one episode. They're like, oh, we can't do that. And we're like, two, we got to do three episodes because all the trades got to yeah, do did, it, we, man. We did, we, we did one ML- just talking about the MLB pieces, one about the prospects. Now, this is the quote unquote normal show, but a few days <laughs> later than our normal slot. But
3: well, I'm very glad good. to be here, and actually, some of my yeah. listeners too. It wasn't able to get worse timing, as you kind of know with the same thing trade deadline. I didn't even get to get a prospect one out last week, so I'll be making up for it uh, for this coming Friday uh, as I dig into it. So this will be this will be some of my first prospect talk outside of my own pods, uh, just digging into all the fun stuff. So glad to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been, a, it's been a,
1: yeah, thanks, man. It's been a crazy uh, couple of weeks here, as we all know. Um, but got a lot in store tonight, so let's get right to it. But before we do the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris Welsh is at is It The Welsh. Chris Clegg is at Roto Clegg. There's too many Chrises on the show. Um, <laughs> cool. And fun fun fact: I was almost named Chris because my mom wanted to name me Christopher, so I'd be Chris Cross. But my dad put kind of put <laughs> the oh. axe on that.
3: Oh, that um, would have been great. <laughs>
1: I know. I, I I I go back and forth. Like, would I like being called Chris Cross? I don't know. I'm not sure, but
3: <laughs> I mean, like, I. I kind of am into it. I'm kind of into it. it like, I, uh, you mostly... make me want to jump, jump, Eric. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> who, who knows? But I'm a Eric cross 4 and our show at fan tracks tool If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us. Bonus podcasts, private discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5, or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash fan tool And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, On Campus, and Fantasy Hockey Life. Alright, let's get right down to it. We got a loaded episode, some MLB talk, some prospect talk, and let's get the, all the bad stuff out of the way first. Some more injuries and surgeries and whatnot this week, starting with Fernando Tatis Jr. out once again. This is getting kind of redundant at this point. Uh, Third time, he's partially dislocated his left shoulder. Season-ending surgery is maybe in the cards. I don't think that's been decided yet, but he was basically dominating as usual this year. 292, 373, 651 slash line. Was leading the NL in runs, home runs, steals, slugging, OPS, and probably would have been in stolen bases as well should um, be in the RBIs as well, if he was healthy for the entire season. But this is arguably the number one dynasty asset out there. It's, you know, it's either him or Cunha. It's kind of a, not a click at number one. But how Chris Welsh, I'm going to call you Welsh, so we yeah. can <laughs> differentiate between the two Chris's here. I've
3: been, I've been known to, to go by Welsh, so I'm comfortable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Welsh, how worried are you about Tatis long-term? you think this is going to be a thing where he's just always kind of dealing with these injuries, and maybe he's a guy we can't count on for – you know, one hundred and fifty plus annually.
3: I think it's on the table. I do. I do think it's on the table, but I won't let it change where I'm at. You know, Tatis is unique. He's going to be one of those guys. If if anybody plays uh, fantasy football, he kind of reminds me, uh, from a value standpoint, of like uh, tra- Travis Kelsey. And he's so elite in where he is. And there was this number uh, that tags, like tags, that uh did over at Fantasy Pros, where it was like if he didn't play like the final eight games, Travis Kelsey would have been like tied in number two. he still would have been that good. And that and yeah. all I'm getting at is like, Tatis is that guy, when we end this season, even if he doesn't play, he's going to walk out with half the at-bats of any other player and will probably still value out as like a top 10 overall player. He is so yeah. explosive. He's my number one dynasty player. And we do just have to get comfortable with the violence that he, it comes with his game. But I would say that Outside of like the three that I think are all interconnected to this year, it's kind of like rolling your ankle, Um, or, or I break my toes a lot, and that kind of ends up happening. You just you went into susceptibility of it, but all of these guys have something, you know. I mean, Otani up until this year was just a disastrous mess. You know, I, he was one of the few guys that I kept. I kept like inside my top twenty was Otani, so that's like a one of the few hat tips I can hold on to. But like he's got constant arm issues. Acuna just left for the year you've got boba who's been fine you got mike trout who's missed time mookie betts is, i mean they're all missing time i associate this injury with the early one that has gone through the season a surgery is fantastic for him so we can move past yeah. it but he does play violent but he doesn't play violent enough for me to devalue him in any capacity. And I would love to go pick him up for anybody, you know, that was wanting to move on, even in a, you know, Mookie, I'll give you Mookie bets for Fernando Tatis, whatever it takes. I'll take Fernando Tatis Jr. off your hands.
1: Yeah. And like you said, he's still going to end the year with a 30 plus 20 plus season. And that's in like what 80 or 90 something games. I think he's played this year. 87. 87. Yeah. Yeah. So, that that's still it's ridiculous. Like he he's
3: no. gonna he's gonna out counting stats Cedric Mullins, who's having the best gear you could right. possibly have. <laughs> You're gonna see in half the time he might Mullins might put up 300 at bat Tatis numbers in 650 this year if he's lucky.
1: Yeah, and like you said, Mullins has been great, and Tatis it just shows how much better Tatis is. Yeah, he's still my number one. You know, it's kind of not a clear-cut number one anymore like we had for, you know, several years with Mike Trell. I think you could make a case for any of four or five guys at this point. But, yeah, Tatis, it it does worry me a bit. But at the same time, we don't see a lot of guys, you know, play 162 anymore. It's, you know, kind of 150 to 155 is the norm now, it seems like. And a lot of sports, too. Like, not a lot of people are playing, like, every game like they used to across all four major sports. But so even if, you know, hopefully this surgery kind of clears up everything and he's you know, good to go moving forward here, but there is he's not. Mondesi. He's not Alberto no. to Mondesi. <laughs> No. And we'll, we'll get to Mondesi here in a little bit, but uh, Chris, what what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. I kind of echo everything you said, but like I've kind of wondered if he does have surgery, how long does that put him out? You know, I, I was trying to do good a little question. research on that. And so I don't know how long he would miss if he did have surgery. I kind of wish he would just go ahead and elect to do it, but I feel like he's going to try to play through it. I could see him coming back, you know, as we've seen all year. And I think he could come back and, you know, hurt it again, but it seems pretty inevitable. He'll have surgery in the off season, but yeah, it's just tough. But again, you know, with how good he's been, you, you can't really complain. And he's, he's given you your fair shake of, of worth here. I mean, I was looking, he's the most valuable player on Rasball's player Rater. And, you know, I mean, Otani's close, but he's still a couple dollars ahead. And he's again, just played 87 games. So it's been impressive what he's done. So I hope he comes back. I hope he gets the surgery and comes back better than ever.
3: And by the way, uh, Dr. Chow had an article out that this surgery um, would look at a six-month recovery timeline. So okay. that that looks like the timeline for it. So if you want to start piecing together, you know, he could. I mean, the t- here's the tough thing: if he were to, you know, the Padres would go all the way and he were to play through it, and then you're not, you know, having it till November, you're probably going to be dicey up to the start of the season. I think they just yeah. released that the season starts March 31st. So you know, if, if he does, you might be up to a month, which is something to consider, but if he elects to have it, I don't think you have any season worries. There's plenty of time with it, but you get into late November, that's where we start to worry, but also super athletes sometimes break these timelines and stuff like that. Um, Anything outside, anything inside of early November, I think we're okay. And you know, you're getting some words, like I said, with Dr. Chow talking about it.
1: Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, I, I see him playing through it. Like you said, Chris, like he just seems like he's going to do that once again, like he did earlier in the season, but yeah, we're, six months is like six months from now is early February. So start of spring training. So Hopefully he gets it done sooner rather than later. That also, can, by the way, like us Barcelona. talking about
3: that, that might not be the best thing in the world. If that is a true timeline, like the Padres might be like, where are we at right now? And they, they might have to make that decision to sacrifice next year to this year, because right. if they know it's a six month timeline and it looks dicey and if a re aggravation could be even worse, they just may not be a choice. I am fearful that we are going to get that. And that's going to be put upon us maybe in the next week because of yeah. some of the timeline stuff.
1: Yeah, totally fair. Uh, moving on here a couple of other injured uh, arms here these guys didn't get injured recently but uh, kind of haven't we haven't had a chance to talk about them yet uh, though Tyler Glasnow did have a surgery today on what's it say Wednesday I can't remember the day of the week it is anymore uh, by Dr. Keith Meister first off I didn't realize that any doctor in in the world besides Dr James Andrews did Tommy John stuff like this is who's this Dr Keith Meister even though it's a great last name but um, Vlasna had surgery today, probably out until at least mid 2022, maybe Tampa Bay plays it cautious. So maybe he's out all of next year. We'll see. He was having a great year. 266 ERA 0.93 whip 7.9% walk rate, 36.2% strikeout rate. He kind of answered two of the questions I had about him Two to three questions, obviously durability. He still hasn't checked off that box yet, but he dropped the walk rate. Great. That was one of the things I was worried about was his command and control. And then he added that slider, which was a great third pitch for him. So he needed that third pitch. My question for each of you, with all of this, with you know his improvements this year, but still with the surgery, is he a top 10 dynasty arm right now? Clegg, how about you?
2: No, with the with the injury, it's impossible, I think, to say that. But I I love him. Like he was my SP one in a lot of like redraft leagues this year. And that's kind of unfortunate because I didn't go pitcher heavy at the top. And you know, now I'm kind of Hurting, so <laughs> been a frustration. But I, if he was healthy, I would say yes. But with the with the injury, I don't think he's a top ten dynasty arm.
1: Where would you have him then? Like top fifteen, top twenty? I you have kind of a hard question to answer. Yeah,
2: I've got. Yeah. Let me pull up my cheat. While well, you're pulling it up, well, shorty, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. Uh, I've got a new uh, update, probably as people are listening to this. Um, and by the way, hat tip to your guys' Patreon because it's the way, and I, I like that people support this stuff. I've also got one uh, patreon.com slash ITL army, and that's where I post my prospect in Dynasty Ranks. And my new update just came out, and I literally, one of the last things I was dealing with was Glass now, and I was kind of <laughs> staring at him prior to the injury. No doubt, top 10. I, ha- I, I, I want to say, I might have had him at six. That might, I think that's roughly where I had him. I, I now pushed him outside my overall top 100, and I'd have to kind of do the math. It's not a top 10. Uh, he's, he just can't. He just can't. And I, and I actually took the same page I took coming into this year with Noah Syndergaard and with uh, Luis Severino, who I both like a lot. And I had to take the same approach, which was post 100. Any guy that's currently in a Tommy John, I just don't think a can be top 10 at your position, especially pitcher or top 100 in value. So I literally just made the move to push him back outside of the top 100. It was tough to do, but I actually kind of think he actually might've lined up a little bit with Severino and Syndergaard. You know, they're coming back from it. Glasnow might at this point be a little bit more talented, but he comes back. So I've got, I actually have those guys all kind of clumped in a general area with Severino and Syndergaard trending in a better direction, but not top 10.
1: Yeah, I had him seventh before the injury, obviously behind DeGrom. And then there's like a cluster of Bieber, Cole, Woodruff, Burns, and uh, Walker Buehler. So I think I'm pretty sure I had him seventh now. I have since dropped him, which it sucks because I was finally coming around. Like, I gave Glasnow more you know shit than anyone. And yep. he, finally, like I said, he checked off two of those three major concerns I had about him with adding the third pitch and dropping the walk rate. Wish he could stay healthy because he's he's a very fun pitcher to watch. But uh Clegg, where, where do you have him in your rankings now?
2: Yeah, 108 overall, SP 24. So like I said, was top 10, but with the injury, it's you know when he's not gonna pitch next year, it's it's hard to keep him that high.
1: Yeah, and I can just see the Rays, you know, being the Rays and just being really cautious with him, which they should. You know, he's still a young arm, you know, he's their ace, quote unquote. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again until 2023
3: and Hopefully look, and I just want to throw out real quick sales, yeah. Severino and Syndergaard. We it's August. and so We have not seen any of them. So take yeah. that as a page and then put yeah. the raise on top of it. There's I would 0.0% chance that Tyler glass now starts a game to go five innings in 2022, zero, zero. Chance. Oh, that I definitely would agree with. Yeah. I can see them doing a lot. Of so like there's 20, no value. So three, there's no 2022 20, value yeah. under that standard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And speaking of no value or lesser value, Steven Strasburg is just hurt again. Like, I I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. Like I, he's still one of the most talented, I think on talent alone, I still think he's a top 10 arm on just arm talent, but he's out for the season. Once again, undergoing thoracic outlet surgery, which I know a little bit about because I have thoracic outlet syndrome, but I'm not some fancy dancy pitcher making millions of dollars. So I haven't had the surgery for it yet, Uh, but he's 33 years old now, 26 and, point two innings combined over the last two years. He's reached the 175 inning plateau just two times, 2017 and 2019, since 2015. Uh, excuse me, since 2014 when he had 215 innings then at this point, like do you guys want anything to do with Steven Strasburg? I don't know if I do.
3: Nope.
2: <laughs> nope. Easy <laughs> Not- answer for
3: me. How about how about a quick one? Steven Strasburg or Herman Marquez? Who would you rather have? Oh Marquez. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm not the biggest Marquez guy, even though he's been pitching well lately. But yeah, if you don't Strasburg like that 351
3: ERA, you don't like that mid three RA?
2: Mm.
1: <laughs>
3: he's In been, course he's been, field, he's yeah. he's, been, and, he's, been, he's been better. He's and been he better. does this other cool thing too. He plays. It's a really See, cool concept. Strasburg does, does not it is, play.
1: No, he does not. Uh, <laughs> if you can guarantee me the same amount of innings from the two, oh I would agreed. I would still take Strasburg. Agreed. but At this point, I don't want anything to do with. I have Strasburg in a few leagues, and it's hard to trade him right now because you're not going to get much of anything for him. Like, what would you guys accept for a deal? Like, would you would you take? Let's say you were a team that was kind of falling out of contention here, and you were looking to start a rebuild and looking for prospects. Would you Would you take two top one hundred guys for him? You think that's fair at this point? Prospects.
3: I think so maybe i don't know when i hear two top 100 the, to me that's like you're gonna offer me like a, a 80 and a 90 like
1: you know, what if someone offers you like gunner i'm just like two names gunner henderson mm. and um greg jones
3: mm-hmm. two mm, random that's names. cringy maybe maybe you know what i'd be pushing for i mean but i'm also like i'm a little bit more of a pain in the ass in trades i would be <laughs> look i would give me like a jordan walker and then like somebody lower in the top 100
1: so you want you want a better first piece that's, i want like one yeah. top
3: guy like why take gunner and greg jones not the worst really like gunner henderson he's really proven to be kind of an impact bat but like i don't know like a, a further i feel like it's easier for t- a, t- a team that would here's a better way a team that would want strasburg strasburg would be a team that would be probably more willing to part with 19 year olds and 18 year olds and me yeah. i would rather be the one that's like cool dude give me you know Jordan Walker or Jose Barrero, you know, give me one of those guys, and then I'll take like a you know a lower end player, maybe even like a Seth Beer or a, a Volpe or Carson Tucker or something like that. That's what I would look at.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair. I, um, moving on here, though, let's get into some positive news here. Jesus Luzardo is back. He didn't have the greatest uh, debut, but you know, he looked better than the surface numbers might indicate he went 5 innings, 4 hits, 3 runs, 3 walks, 5 Ks, but at 29% CSW, 43% whiff rate. He was 38% or above whiff rate on his sinker, curveball and changeup. I, mean, I I just wrote an article about him and Sixto recently, you know, saying the buy low on them in dynasty leagues because Lizardo is a 23-year-old lefty with plus velocity. And a curveball, which was one of the best curveballs in baseball this year. So I know it's been a small sample size, but one of the best curveballs in baseball has shown a decent changeup in the past, even though it hasn't been as effective for him this year. And now he gets into the Miami pitching factory here when um, they can take that changeup elevated even further. I am more in now than I was on Lazardo two months ago. I don't know how, how you guys feel, but, well, what do you, where are you at on Lazardo right now in Dynasty? Would you be buying low and trying to target him wherever you could?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the trade. I mean, Miami is a is a proven track record of doing incredible yep. things. With you could argue the type of pitcher that they are, but like anybody that's going to go out there and be like, "Oh yeah," in the system, you know, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, like they're all they're all good. They all in their own rights were good. And I've tracked Sandy Alcantara for a long time, but what Miami has done with that crew and the way they've developed them, it's it's Seattle esque. So you sometimes we can go and we can dip into like every little stat and analytical thing, bat at ball and everything. But sometimes you can simplistically look at things and be like, hey, these are a couple of really good places that develop pitching. Jesus Lozardo is a super smart pitcher. I've always loved this guy. Multiple pitches. I always loved how he was one step ahead mentally in changing up his delivery, quick pitching, slow pitch. I mean, he could do a Dan Heron. He could just do a quick wine. Wh- I mean, he will change that up on you. Very, very smart pitcher. And then you go and put him in a comfortable spot where he gets to go home goes with a great organization that develops pitching. He's a must target for me. If anyone is selling low, give me that all day because he was probably arguably a top 60 prospect mid last year, maybe coming into this year overall, you know, maybe top 75, something like that. And I think he'd probably dropped under, like very obtainable, very obtainable in fantasy. He's back to a top 100 dynasty prospect to me. And I don't know if that's hot take or everyone's like, yeah, duh, he is. He's young on a great new uh, destination. I think there's a lot of good things that could come out of it. Miami would have been, you know, one of the top five destinations I would have wanted him to go to, to further his career. Agreed.
1: Yeah. And from what I've saw, you know, after I, I posted, after the trade happened, I kind of posted like, oh, here's all the pitching depth that Miami has. And just some of the replies that I saw on that and just other replies in general, I've seen on Twitter uh, tweeting at me, but like people are pretty down. On Lizardo, it seems yeah. like they, they're like, oh, he's a reliever. Oh, he's not as good as this guy. He's not as good as that guy. I'm like, well, you're you're. it's way, way too soon to be writing off a 23 year old well, with this much talent.
3: I mean, to, yeah, well, it kind of comes to a little bit of a conversation you and I had off air about the the developmental process. And, and pitchers are yeah. not given the same leeway that hitters are, which I think is hilariously stupid sometimes. But I do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> they're not even giving remotely close to that same leeway. And also when you see young pitchers succeed right away, like you know, like Casey Mize was trashed everybody last year. And then he had a really good start to this year, and he's, you know, kind of faded and whatever. But that's learning the process. But like one of the things that didn't help it was like right when the trade happened, Eno came out with you know, Eno's always got fantastic takes on it. And he had talked about kind of how flat the fastball was and how he needed to change some stuff. And it was just average. He was just essentially saying like, hey, what Lazardo's doing right now is average. One of the extra things that I loved about him, like I said, was the way he could attack when he's comfortable that he can attack hitters in um, multitude of different ways, how he throws pitches, how he does delivery. And then sure, maybe he does need to alter a few things, but what better place than Miami if you've got to work on some, uh, you know, some issues on a flattened fastball or what, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I know it, it was a lot of negativity around it. Great trade, though. This could be gallon S. This could be like the opposite where, you know, the, the Marlins traded off Gallon to the Diamondbacks when he was doing amazing, and they're like, oh, crap, he really is good. This could be one another one of the things where, you know, when they target a guy, I think we should pay attention, and they may be able to fix some of those little issues with Lizardo, and we can get back to one of the best young pitching prospects in baseball.
1: Couldn't agree more. Clegg, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think it's notable here that what he did with his arsenal, this first start, I mean, he was featuring the four seam pretty heavily and getting hit pretty hard, but you look and he just threw four four seam fastballs in this start and was pretty sinker heavy and featured some two seamers as well. I think they kind of classify together on Statcast cast and looked much better. And I think that was kind of the thing. Like the four seam was just struggling. Like you mentioned a little flat and he had a nasty two seam when he was in the bullpen oh, yeah. and feature that more. And I think we'll see some good results. And you know, like you said, the landing spot couldn't be better for all the reasons that we said. So I'm buying all day, and I think the price is probably still at its lowest point. And even after this last start, I still think you can get them cheap. So I'm willing to part with a, you know, back in top 100 dynasty guy to, to get them. Ooh, I think they're really going to flat forward. Craig, uh,
3: Clegg, uh, Blake Snell or Jesus Lazardo?
2: That's the easy Lizardo for me. Lizardo. I just I think Snell's
3: done. Oh, I, man. I, Y'all I don't do like it. me no more, man.
1: <laughs> I can't deal with Snell anymore. I I gotta, I make, get... I
3: just, it's just a temperature check. All I do is yeah. a yeah. temperature check on where we're at with that. Because I, I we say that, but you know, you know. If he pops on a couple starts here, people are gonna be back in. But also the name value that Snell still puts out there, Agreed, yeah. we sometimes assume all players of Dynasty, and, and it's probably a little bit more fair to say like people that listen to Dynasty podcasts are a lot stronger in their ability to play. But we just assume everybody sometimes like is in the know, and we worry about saying the same stuff. But like, there's a lot of people out there that just get hawked into uh, player value names and stuff like that. I will bet you you put it out there seven out of 10 times, you could snag Lazardo for, uh, for Snell in a move. I really, I really truly believe that a lot of people could make that happen. And that's the type of thing that we're talking about. And there's probably some names much lower that you could get uh, Lazardo for uh, unless they pay attention probably to like your guys in my ranks and it's going to be
1: tough. <laughs> <laughs> right now. The one I question I had for you guys, would you rather uh, th- so that's, that's three years from now, who is drafted higher? Lizardo or Sixto Sanchez, his teammate, who I also am big on buying low well right now.
3: I'll let the host go first.
2: I'll let <laughs> this play. It's first. pretty close. I don't know. That's tough. I've... I I,
1: I sl- ever so slightly lean towards Sixto. Yeah, I but, think I
3: lean Lazardo,
2: but it's close. It, I,
3: yeah, it's I'm like, gonna I'm gonna break it up and go Lazardo as well. It is super close. I love yeah. that power, power, fastball from Sixto, but I'm gonna yeah. lean Lazardo just barely.
1: Is that, I do think Sixto can have that Dustin May type, you know, strikeout up right jump because like I said time time four, Sixto has these stuff. So where he locates it is kind of the issue, but he has like the movement on that slider, on the changeup, on his sinker to, you know, get more strikeouts. It's just, he has to figure out how to sequence better, locate his pitches a little better. Like, he doesn't really throw the slider and change it outside of the zone as much as he as he probably should. But, yeah, I'm definitely – I'm very high in both these guys, and I still think they might be the two best arms in Miami going forward. Like, that's kind of – might be crazy to say with how Trevor Rogers has looked and Sandy Alcantara has looked this year, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Sixto and Lazardo were the top two guys – from this rotation a few years down the road. You know, great I time like to, to be a Marlins fan.
3: Great time right? to be with Jazz and Khalil Watson coming and J.J. Blade with all that pitching. is a great then, time to be a Marlins yeah, fan.
1: Yeah, and Edward Cabrera's coming up soon. Max Meyer, maybe next year. Yeah, man. Jake Adder's, you know, kind of breaking out this year. A lot of good stuff going on in Miami down there. Kim Ong and uh, Derek Jeter are doing themselves a heck of a job kind of building that team right now. So hats off to both of them. I'm Kind of like a closet Florida Marlins. Miami Marlins, my God, Florida Marlins, uh, Miami <laughs> Marlins fan at this point. They're one of my NL teams I kind of like now. But um, speaking of, you know, we talked about, mentioned Montessi earlier. You know, that kind of statement came out a couple of days ago. There was, you saw a tweet from um, a guy named Josh Vernier, who's a Royals insider for 610 Sports Radio out there. Uh, he was quote tweeting that someone had asked uh, GM Dayton Moore, About if he can count on Mondesi in 2022, and the response was, "Quote, no, you can't. We're learning that we're going to have to manage his workloads in ways that he may not be a guy that plays more than 100 games. We can't count on him as an everyday player." With that said, Welsh, how are you valuing Mondesi and Dynasty right now? Because obviously we've seen what he can do on a per game basis, and you know it's it's kind of like that that Tatis thing, like what he can do on a per game basis is so good have him, you know, create plenty of value, but where do you have him right now? Is he still a top 100 guy overall top 150? Where are you at on him?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because of dealing with like some of these major guys, he's still top 100, but he took a big old plummet because you have uh, you have Dayton Moore saying that. I think it says a lot because there's a lot of that that we already like knew. As fantasy owners, we're like, yeah, this dude cannot stay healthy, and how many more years can we deal with this? It's you know it feels worse for us than it does for that team. But for the, for him to go as hard as he did, I don't like it. And here's the other thing that I don't like: when I hear that, I immediately go, "You got to get this guy off the team. Like you you you're building bad blood. You got to get off this team." But guys, I don't like, he's got two years left and he's controllable and they got Bobby Witt coming. And what Mondesi does is he creates an, he's an insurance policy. So what I'm getting at is if this team doesn't believe in him and doesn't have that full trust and they've built some other guys around him, what if they create him as a part-time player, you know, and they, they they manage his workload for the next two years, you might have this in next year's kilt on value so you got to consider that he's obviously an explosive player doesn't walk lots to strike out, but strikes the hell out of the ball and is a five category player when he's out there. But I think his injuries have proven it. The connection with the organization has proven it. And if they hold on to him, if they trade him, this could be a whole nother ball game. But I don't think they will. If they hold on to him, it could create an even worse sense of owning him. So. He's just still barely in the top 100, if that gives people uh, a sense. But he could rock it if we get back. There's just enough time. He's, he's out on rehab. He just went on a rehab assignment yesterday. There's just enough time for him to do what he did last year and come back, have a month of being the number one overall player, and screw us all again next year <laughs> and raise Eric's blood pressure where he has to <laughs> scream at the top of his lungs about Mondesi and get pissed yep. off at everybody, and we have to do this cycle. It's like Groundhog's Day all over again.
1: It is. and I was going to mention that too. Like if he's only a hundred game guy now, like, you know, obviously all the, the peaks and valleys that come with Mondesi, like, you know, there'll be some years where he has, you know, this is the way the ebbs and flows. They'll have more valleys than peaks and he'll come at a discount the following year. And then you'll have more peaks than valleys the next year. And he'll come in, you know, you have to kind of pay up more for him. This is how it goes with him. But I think he's slightly outside my top 100 at this point, just (laughs) because of that inconsistency and the fact that this could be a smaller sample size now, even though like, he's only, you know, he doesn't play that much anymore. He's only played what 10 games this year before he got hurt again. Uh, you, you mentioned, well, she is on a rehab assignment now. So hopefully he'll be back next, I don't know if a week or 10 days or so. Um, but yeah, he's just, obviously I've never been a big Montese guy in general. Everyone knows that. Uh, but just the fact that he's always injured and I don't, what's, what's to say that there's any guarantee that for those hundred games, he'll be healthy for all hundred games. Like exactly. hundred games could still be like 70, you know? So it's like, I don't know. This is too much risk for me. It's so much more risk now than there already was. But Clegg, what do you, what do you got? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, you mentioned the outside the top 100. So I'd rank for OBP purposes. So he's easily outside <laughs> the top 100 for me because <laughs> yeah. his OBP is garbage. You know, you're the like upside, Garrett Hampson or out of her to So that's what right. you're dealing with. The upsides, you know, it's tantalizing, but I don't know. I I just wonder you know, if he does come back healthy next year and he's tearing it up, like, do they actually only play him three to four days a week? You know, it's, I, think it's, I think it's possible with wit. I, yeah. I got a debate for you guys. I got a debate for you guys.
3: Dynasty, Adalberto Mondesi or Gavin Lux? Golly. <laughs> Stop <laughs> yes, the trains on the show. Right. I did it. i did it i stopped the trains on the show gavin lux like nobody frustrates me more than gavin lux right now because i have i've been a waffler and we all do that as as people that uh, rank prospects and especially dynasty and stuff we get caught where we don't like a guy like this is a prime example i was never the biggest gavin lux guy and then he kept just dominating at extreme levels and then what happens sometimes when someone proves you so wrong you turn that step and you're just like, okay, I see it all now. Then you go back in. Then as soon as I go back in, all of a sudden, he can't play at the major league level. The team doesn't trust him. Chris Taylor is dominating right now. He How is. can they get him off? They bring in Trey Turner. There's no spot. They keep screwing around. And when he gets an opportunity, he screws the pooch. Yet he's young and we've seen the track record. Gavin Lux, of Mondesi. Which one? You, you know what?
1: I think I'm going to surprise everybody <laughs> listening. <laughs> wow. And, and go Mondesi. It's, it's close. And I've been a Lux supporter, but I do have my concerns about Lux. The fact that just seeing how they, the Dodgers seem to view him right now. And obviously, when you have a chance to bring in Trey Turner, you bring in Trey Turner, but he just, he's just really, I'm starting to wonder if what we saw in the upper minors was just that. And I don't know how he's going to translate to the majors right now. It's just, so I guess I will lean modesty, but damn you, Welsh, are making me take modesty <laughs> in anything.
2: I got you to say it. What do you think, Clegg? I'll take Mondesi. I mean, I it's frustrating, too. but dang, I don't know. I just don't know. They. I wish they would have traded Lux. Like, I wish he would have gone to Washington. I, I think, I still
3: think that is going to happen because, you know, you're going to probably, you're going to lose, like Scherzer's not going to come back. And then right. you obviously got Bauer who ain't ever coming back. So you've already lost some of that rotation. You've got Urias there, but are they, the Dodgers aren't a team that are going to be like, yeah, you know what? Let's have Pepeo and let's have Bobby Miller. Like, no, they they just traded Josiah Gray. That, Gavin Lux is the prime piece. They have no reason anymore. They've got yeah, Trey yeah. Turner. They've got Chris Taylor. He is uh, like, if Milwaukee had a piece that made sense, I'd be like, guess what? Freddie uh, Peralta for Gavin Lux is happening. You know, something like that. Gavin Lux will be back in it once he has a place where he can take the stage and I'll be yeah. back in, but I'm with you guys. It, it is Mondesi right now, but it's not far. They're not far uh, in both of mine. They're right, right around yeah. that top 100. And it sucks to say that about Lux. Yeah.
1: Yes, it, it does. But yeah, yeah, I hope he does get traded. I, I think that'd be great. Yeah, him, him plus one of the arms for a better arm. Um, I, I think a fresh start is what Gavin Lux needs right now. Is I still like the tools, but yeah, definitely not thinking he's in the you know the number one dynasty second baseman of the future or anything like that. Like I did, you know, maybe a year to eighteen months ago. But yeah, all right, enough about Mondesi. I can't take any more of this positive modesty talk here that welsh got us into let's go ahead and take a quick break we'll come back on the other side and get into a lot of prospect talk so don't go anywhere
0: All
1: right, welcome back from the break. We got Chris Welsh here from In This League and Prospect One talking a lot of dynasty, a lot of prospects as usual. Let's get into some top prospect talk here. You know, Jared Kelnick just graduated off prospect list. Wander should in the next couple of days. I mean, he's like 10 to eight uh, at bat short right now. So I want to ask both of you, you know, as I, t- I tweeted this out earlier today, you know, who are your new top 10 prospects with these two graduated first, of all, like who's your number one right now? Well, who's your number one?
3: Not well, Franco's still there, but not him. Um, Mine is still Julio. And Julio. I will tell you that I saw your tweet and I, and I know you have, uh, I hope I'm not ruining the thing, but if they saw the tweet, you have Bobby Witt Jr. And like, yep. like I hate you for it because you know how much <laughs> I love Bobby and I, and Bobby, I've been the defender of Bobby before it was ever cool. But I get it and I've put serious thought to it because, you know, if there are two players that I have seen, I don't think there's two other players I've seen as much. Maybe Marco Luciano as those two, like Bobby and talked to and been around for years. And like, I love them both dearly. Bobby Witt has got the makings of the number one overall, and I think he's deserved of it. My rankings, I've had Julio at the top because I think this is a 40 plus. You know, high four category player who might show some upside as far as stolen bases as well, but he is still learning to hit like off speed stuff and pitch recognition where Bobby's really not showing that struggle. Like he's advancing a little bit more, I think, than some expected and he's got that same impact. They're the clear cut number two. So sorry, I took a long time to say that. I have Julio Rodriguez, but it is it to me, it's reminiscent of the Acuna Vlad time where it's one A one B with those two. This is not I wasn't one A one B with Wander and Kelnick. I was pure team Wander. Uh, you were pure team Kelnick. That's fine. These are dual one A one Bs to me, Julio and Bobby Witt. That's
1: fair, and I actually think I might agree with that because it's you figure you got. I think there's a little more power upside with J Rod. Little more batting average upside, but then Wit makes up for that with the extra speed he brings. So, yeah, it's flip a coin basically. And right now we're, we're splitting hairs, but we totally yeah, are. For, for anybody didn't see my tweet, uh, my current top 10, once uh, Wander graduates here, will be Wit, J Rod, Nolvi Marte, Luciano, Abrams, five, Torque, six, Dave, Brennan Davis, seven, Garrett Mitchell, eight, Zach Veen, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, nine, and Vidal Brujan at 10. Uh, Chris, who you got as your new
2: top 10? Got yeah, J Rod one. I think that, you know, feels the bat feels just a little bit safer, but like you said, you're splitting hairs. We got Witt two, Luciano three, Noel V at four, Abrams at five, Torque at six, Brendan Davis at seven, Riley Green at eight, Adley Roachman at nine, Garrett Mitchell at ten. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, Mitchell.
1: I have Riley Green and and um Roachman right outside my top ten. I think they're like twelve and thirteen right now. Welsh was what's the rest of your top ten, Welsh.
3: So, uh, mine was just kind of a movement up. So I've got, um, I'm not including Julio. Is that what I'm doing? Right. I'm not including Julio on in this. No, if- or I'm sorry. Wander. I'm Wander. I'm not yeah, including yeah. Wander because yeah, technically no, I still have Wander. Okay. So my new number one would be Julio. Then I've got Bobby Witt and I haven't made a whole bunch of movement through the rest of these. Cause I want to stay true to it. I've got Torque at three, Abrams at four, Luciano at five, most of the movement through the preseason through the season has been here starting at 6 where I have Riley Green, big Riley Green guy. 7 is Brennan Davis, 8 is Rutchman. Uh 9 would be Noelvi because he was the new addition to the top 10. And 11 I'm not sold but I I still have uh, Jason Dominguez. That's, you know, he's okay. kind of sat in that spot and yeah. he's my number 15. Yeah, those are Rutchman Ritch, and Noelvi were the guys that moved in. And it is funny. Like Noelvi has been such a ride for me. It's really interesting to hear you guys go all in top five. It's hard to argue, by the way, after he just had a nine RBI, three home run game to tack on everything insane that he's been doing. But like, I feel like I've had such a ride because, you know, Eric, we've talked about it. And like in the extended spring training was the first stateside stuff. In a year that I got to see Noel And he was super tentative You know he was super But like in a good way he was tentative Huge raw power But I had some real questions about like How quick would the bat go And then I had like three straight episodes of Prospect 1 Where not even purposely Just him getting crapped on you know, it was like, uh, I think I had like Jim Callis who was just like, he's not a top whatever prospect. And then it was like over here, you know, I don't even remember Eric Longenhagen. We we're talking. It's just like from real baseball. He's not this guy. And that was kind of seeped in. And there was a little bit of worry to be like, Hey, let's hold off. I mean, he immediately answered that. And that's what's so beautiful and awesome about this. Like this guy that we valued high, I still have some questions as I usually do about like 19, 18 year olds, like guys like Soderstrom and Veen dominating at the levels And I want to see them progress through, but I don't really blame you. I just, I've seen so much of Luciano and Abrams and even torque that I will not move Noelvi above them from what I've seen. The question marks might be how hard I've gone in on green and Davis, but I don't blame you for going for, I got him at nine. Guess what? He's a no doubt top 10 prospect. That's what you get to know about Noelvi and and Eric, you know, you had kind of called that. I, I was, I was questionable about that, but Noelvi is incredible right now. And he is the hottest. I think he's the hottest prospect in uh, baseball um, in the current state. If there were like trades and stuff out there, no yeah. one would be more desirable than him.
1: Yeah. And it feels good that, you know, that my high ranking of him for the last know, 12 to 16 months now is kind of coming to fruition. I'm not saying I was like the first one or anything like that, but. Yeah, it definitely feels good that you know when you when you make a claim and you know plant your flag on one of these guys and they they do well. It definitely does feel good. And,
3: Would you yeah. have ever thought it was this Mariner that was the right one? <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> this was the right one. I mean, I'm not anti-Kelnick. Believe me, I'm not anti-Kelnick. But like, this was the one that you absolutely nailed. Not saying that you were wrong about Kelnick versus Franco or anything like that. But like, again, I'm giving you credit. You, you kind of destroyed it. Like you, you were aggressive, aggressive on Noelvi when I think some of us wanted to pump the brakes a little bit. The same with Jason Dominguez. I almost felt like Marte and Dominguez would kind of like yeah. went one in the same. You know what's really interesting? Um, and I'm not meaning to like completely cross paths here to not let you respond to my little Marte <laughs> jab. But you know what's hilarious that neither three, none of the three of us just said Vidal Bruhan. No Vidal Bruhan put in there, and that was not the case. Two months ago, in a lot of people's eyes, I, I was I was getting some texts from some people saying, "Hey, where do you have Bruhan?" And it's like we're seeing him at like four and five, and like he was going really high. Novadal Brujan was put in here, which I think is really interesting. Well, that I don't I, know I if saw, you guys saw, were preseason. I am at
1: ten right now, still. But oh, did you say time. Vidal?
3: That I said I didn't even hear you say Vidal. Yeah, he,
1: yeah, he's he's number ten for me, but it, it's really close. And by, by the time I post my next update on site, you know there might be because right beh- right behind him is. Adley Rushman, Riley Green, mm. Jason Dominguez, Robert Hassel, Corbin Carroll, Tyler Soderstrom, guys like that. So, you know, it's mm. it's not a big, really? you know, not a big, uh, you know, gap. Start a gap. 10, yeah. 10 to 17 or so. Um, so it, he could drop down into the teens uh, by the next, my next update, which will probably be in you know, a week and a half or so on site. But But
3: Marte Um, kind of took that spot. That's kind of where I was getting with it. What I find so interesting is like Vidal had kind of had that, like, who's the guy that jumps in? Because you got like injured guys and Abrams and Luciano and them are moving. Vidal was the guy that like was the hot move up. And now it's Noelvi. I actually feel like they probably swapped spots for a lot of people where Noelvi was probably 12, 13, something like that. Vidal top five. And now they've kind of swapped. I've got Vidal, I think, at 12. So I'm, I'm kind of with you.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good spot. Anywhere from like ten to sixteen, I think is the sweet yeah. spot for him right now. As I still think he's obviously very, very talented, but just had you know, we I think we we went a little too high on him. Obviously, <laughs> after that start, of that uh, couple of months he had to start the season uh, in AAA. But um, another name in this kind of cluster that I I have in my top ten now after his torrid July, where the bat has just absolutely come alive, and that Zach Veen, you know, he he was. You know, first, you know, in May and June, like the, the bat started coming alive in June, but the power wasn't there. He was hitting for a decent average in June. Uh, May, he was basically just stealing bases, but obviously take any stolen bases from low A with a grain of salt with A, the quality of catchers down there, and B, all the stuff they're trying out, you know, with limiting pitcher's movements on pickoffs and stuff like that. So stolen base numbers are just, like, going wild right now. Um, but in July alone... Veen in 115 plate appearances, slash 300, 372, 620, five doubles, nine bombs, three steals, 9.6% walk rate, 24.3% K rate. You know, Welsh, where do you where do you have Veen first off? And how close is he? You think he's top 10? I already have him top 10. Can you see him in your own rankings getting to top 10? And what would it take to get there for you?
3: He's not in my top 10. Um, he's just outside my top 20. And I will say that's a big move for me to to bring him in. I know he was like your first-year player guy for sure. Could I see him? Absolutely. Uh, Here's a big thing that I need. I need him to move levels, and I need him to keep pace with what he was doing. He doesn't have to repeat. I mean, what he's doing is ridiculous. But I need to see – for me to move a guy at his age with a little experience into the top 10 – I need to see movement. Guess what? Noelvi was not a top 10. What did he do? Move. Do it in two different spots. Guess what? We're going. With lack of track record, I find it very dangerous to take sh- small sample size of short season on some of these players and and go aggressive with them because we can it's it's easier to make mistakes. Like, I remember Brandon Marsh in his rookie year, hit like 350 or something and then he struggled. But now we're kind of back, you know, so it's like it's it's a tidal wind of going and you want to try to be as right as possible. So, yes, I can see him get there. How he gets there is moving through the levels and keep going. The thing that I give him extra credit for, which I really love, is he really struggled to start the season. One of my favorite things to monitor if people pay enough attention is young players overcoming adversity that can really set them down a bad spiral. And he struggled and what he did while he was struggling while, while, you know, striking out, not having any power, what to speak of. Like, I don't think he had a Homer coming into June. I know that might be true. That might not be true. And he stole bases to keep going, which is awesome. That's like a Bryce Harper move. Like, I'm not doing this. I'll steal bases. And then he would walk and he would get on base. Another big plus. Then what did he do? I literally talked about him on my show and I'm like, yeah, I've got a little power search, three homers. Wham. Like five straight games with homers. He's up to 280. He went from like a 220 batting average up to 280. He hit for power while stealing bases. He matured at a level that you usually don't see. And that's an extra, extra benefit to him. So, how does it get to top 10? Listen, he goes up one more level. He does this the rest of the year. I think he's more valuable than Jason Dominguez at that point. And I'm not there yet. I've got him around guys like uh, Tyler Soderstrom, um, Jordan Lawler who you know is going to come up and then I'm stubborn on a couple other players that are not having the biggest seasons um Nick Gonzalez is one I kind of still have in this general range I'm a little bit more stubborn and then maybe another guy or two we're going to talk about but like Zach Veen you know Robert Hassel those are two guys that are just like they're doing this stuff that can make them top 10 and I think it's possible I definitely think it's possible and you know hey you you jumping on it now might be the right play I just am a little bit more methodical about a a one more box I really want to check before I go All right, you know, yes, I will trade Corbin Carroll for him. Yes, I will trade Vidal Brujan to get Zach Veen because that's what that is a statement that you're making, by the way, when you say he's up here. And then it's like, oh, so you would trade Grayson Rodriguez to get Zach Veen. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) would I do that? What I do that's the statement that you're making. So I want to make sure I feel confident about that, uh, with that move that we're just not quite there for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. I I think for a lot of people. Then I think they need to see this longer, obviously. And I, I didn't bump him up to where I did just because of his hot July. That obviously helped, but yeah, you I, had him I there, not, didn't you? Yeah, I, I've had. I he he did go up for me, obviously over the last month or so. But yeah, I already had him. Uh, I think seventeen or eighteen range, and just yeah. kind of the power coming on, the bat coming on, kind of bumped me up into that top tens. So I think he's potential fifty-five hit, sixty or better power. I don't know if I want to go seventy, but at least sixty power and at least fifty speed, where he could be like a. 275 30 plus 10 steel guy but uh Clegg how about you where, where are you at Adam Veen and you know, a couple other names you had in your top 10 that I didn't uh Rushman and Green what puts them top 10 for you uh
2: well, with Veen I'm I've been stubborn to bump him back up like I think you convinced me to put him really high coming out of the draft like you talked <laughs> me uh, you talked him up so much I was like I was in on him and I, I just haven't really bumped him up since. Like I've had him in like that thirty to forty range, and he's kind of set there. Like despite what he's done, and you know he's been stellar. And then after the beginning of the season, I was like, dang, like I need to bump him like in the, the sixty range. But you know I didn't. Like I wasn't going to be like that crazy and bump him that low that quick. But you know he's come back around, and I'm still kind of sitting there like with him in that spot. And you know, like you mentioned, Welsh. There's several guys that you mentioned I've gotten the same range with, like Lawler and Gonzalez and those sort of players. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I like Soderstrom over him. I like Hassel over him. Like I like Thomas over him. And those are a couple guys I have right ahead of him. And so I don't know. I've struggled to like fully bump him up. And I just, I don't know. Maybe if he keeps continuing this, like, you know, he's been on a tear. If this continues another, obviously through the end of the minor league season, then I think it's plausible for him to be a top 20 guy pretty easily. And so it looks like a great call so far for you. And so, Hopefully that continues being being the Zach Veen guy. Um, With Richmond, I really think a lot of people are just kind of it's getting a little bit of prospect fatigue with him. He seems to not be getting all the love that he has in the past, which seems nuts. I mean, you know, he's been stellar. I think, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest knock for him is that he's a catcher, and so for fantasy purposes, that kind of you know dings him a little bit because he's not going to play every day. But when you're obviously that good at you know the catcher position, it makes you stand out. And so I think he's just head and shoulders above every other catcher though. You know, Francisco Alvarez has been a guy who I've really loved and, you know, outside of him, I don't think there's any other catcher close to him personally. And so, you know, just watching Rutschman, he just keeps performing. And, you know, while he's not a standout, like with batting average, like he, he gets on base at a high clip, the power's there. And, I just think he's exceptional. I think he's going to provide a lot for you that most other catchers can't. So, he's kind of stayed up there and with Green, I mean, he's one that, you know, I've come around on a lot more this year and, you know, maybe let Welsh chat about him a little bit cuz that's kind of his guy. So, yeah, if you want to, you know, put in some thoughts on Riley Green, you're more than welcome to. I
3: yeah, I just think uh Riley Green is the maybe it's not even fair to say because he's actually younger but i was gonna say like maybe the more matured version of brendan davis they're actually just like mirrors of each other that they just make really good steps at the plate have good vision make solid contact it's been all right i suppose like just 279 batting average but power speed combo i see both brendan davis and green as like these 25 25 guys and green also has that like non-power approach like it's a contact approach it's a doubles approach whereas you grow and he's a big body dude he's going to grow into more power and there's a lot of people inside um the tigers organi- organization or around it that believe that riley green is uh the superior prospect to spencer torkelson uh, over uh, across the board and you know for fantasy purposes what we care about too is like the impact of what they do on five categories and you know riley and brennan david i mean if you look at the top Ten, like my top 10 specifically, there's only two guys that don't qualify to all five categories, and that is Spencer Torkelson and Adley Richmond. And what they provide is a, essentially elite three categories and potential elite batting average for those positions. Uh, So you're always playing the battle. That's like what I have with Zach Veen and Tyler Soderstrom. Like I think Tyler Soderstrom is a better hitter. I think he has a better approach. I think there's more power potential in there, but he doesn't have the speed that Veen has. So it's always a constant struggle. But I think Green is more polished than being given credit for. I think he'll be up pretty soon. He'll be the next wave. And I think he's a middle of the order impact bat. And I'm in. Just like Brendan Davis. Like I said, I almost paired those two together.
1: Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Now, on the flip side, now we're talking a lot of positivity here. On the flip side, are there any kind of quote unquote top prospects? You know, maybe guys that are considered like top 30 or so prospects for the most part that both of you are fading right now. For me, you know, I'm not saying I'm fading Cassis, but I've seen a ton of Cassis this year. He's looked all right. I'm not going to bump him down too far, but I got to wonder if he is going to be a. 35 plus homer bat, like we kind of thought he would be. And he's still, you know, kind of in control of his bats. He's, you know, walking in a high clip, but really not impacting the ball as much as I thought. And then I hate to go to my Red Sox prospects here, but Jeter down says looked absolutely oh, atrocious this year. Garbage. Uh, down to uh, where was the style? He's under 200 now. Where it was <laughs> there? We go. Yeah. His slash line is now 198, 281, 339. Like, yeah, he's got nine home runs. 13 steals and 257 plate appearances, but that's And he's striking out a 30.7% clip, which he was always kind of like a low to mid. I think he was always like 21, 23% in that range, strikeout rates. And now he's jumped to 30%, still walking decent clip, 9.3%. But man, he's just, you know, in, in a, you know, triple A, where usually guys like this tear it up. He is doing the exact opposite. So I'm not saying I'm fading casts. I am fading downs a bit, you know, and we, well, if we talked about Nick Gonzalez, I am fading Gonzalez a little bit, not too much. So I still think there's plenty of ups, upside with the bat, but those are a few names kind of like in the top part of my rankings that I am fading a little bit here. Um, as we get into the mid season here, who are some guys that you guys are fading? Uh, Clegg, start with you.
2: Yeah. And I'll just admit, like I've been the downs guy for like three years and I've pumped him up and he, I've had him high in rankings and it just looks terrible. And, you know, I've dropped him significantly because, you know, one, he just doesn't look right. And, you know, several people I've talked to just say, you know, they've seen him live plenty of times to say it's just, he just doesn't have it. So fading downs. And uh, like you, you said, Nick Gonzalez, he was the one I was going to say, I saw him, you know, a couple times in when he was down here in Greenville and he just doesn't really look like he has it. And I don't know if it's just, you know, the first year of pro ball, like, you know, give him a little break, but I just struggle when you you watch him in the the box he just doesn't look completely comfortable swinging through high fastballs that you know that are like 93 94 like he i feel like he should make good contact with and he's one to me that you know i just wonder like what kind of like power speed output are we actually looking at like is he more of like a, a 15 10 guy and i just don't know if that's worthy to be in like my top 30 like it has been if the hit tool continues to struggle, which, you know, that's kind of the, the carrying tool here. And so hopefully he kind of comes around on that. But, you know, again, it was just a couple games I saw him. He did look a little lost. So I'm not going to completely fade him yet, but, you know, he's one that my eye's going to be on more moving forward. So he would he was the one that came to mind, you know, the, that top range.
1: Well, show about you. Is there any kind of prospects in this range that you might be fading or a little, you know, a bit lower on than everybody else right now?
3: Um, there's probably a litany of, of different ones here. Like I'm, uh, this might not feel good or popular, or maybe this will be the thing that sparks them back up. I feel like I'm close to starting to finally maybe fade Jason Dominguez a bit more. Um, I don't need, I, I personally, for as much like rookie and complex level stuff that I see, I don't need a guy to to dominate to love him bobby witt jr did not dominate uh, in the azl in 2019 it was the most prolific i've said this a million times so anyone that's heard me is like oh jesus here we go but it's like 2019 was the most prolific azl rookie ball class that you've ever seen it was you know bobby witt corbin carroll marco luciano cj abrams uh luis matos hiro pomeris i'm forgetting 20 other amazing prospects that came through and it was like Bobby Witt was at the bottom of the list. You know, there was a time where Eric Pena in uh, the end of Asia was better than him. So that doesn't, I don't need that, but you know, like being deserved where we are in the value and where some of the production is going. I think there's a lot of great stuff, but the, the no doubt top 10 thing, like there's some guys that could start passing him. Robert Hassel is somebody that you could, could start really. I I love Yeah. I've been a Hassel guy since day one. Love him. And especially if that power comes along. Yes. Like, everything else is, is there right now. Yeah. The power. Yeah. And I think it's a great approach. There's speed. It's all that good stuff that's in there. So it's possible. Dominguez is on the, the close Vidal Brujan. Um, I, I just think he's is showing some of the streakiness the impact of the bat might be a little bit overdone, credible in the minors. He's got power. I think he proved a little bit of that, but I just don't think, I think I'm a little bit lower, but I wouldn't say the ranks are representative. Um, a couple other guys, Jeter downs, of course, moved down. I will tell you that pitchers are always easily going to be on that list for me. Um, Nate Pearson, Asa Lacey. I don't think they're top 30 guys, but like Asa Lacey. I,
1: I, I must mention Lacey. I meant to mention him, you he can't find the damn zone
2: right now.
3: No, and and I got to see his, like, first professional, like, you know, extended spring training game this year. It was my first outing, too, in, like, a year and a half. And he couldn't hit the zone. He was throwing more change. That was something me and Erica Longenhagen were talking about it. He noticed. He was like, this is really interesting because um, he had faded – lacy had throwing the change up at uh in college and then all of a sudden he was back like that's all he was throwing he was just throwing it during this game and we're like what the hell's going on and it looks like it was redevelopment so i think that's a possibility he's trying to find some new stuff he's got good strikeouts but i also uh you know from a person from a person inside organization said that lacy uh looked just atrocious like not even close to a dude and uh in a conference, at divisional of players. He was one of the worst there. So I, I Lacey would probably be an easy one for me to, uh, to say I'm fading, but it's also easy for me to fade starting pitchers where, wherever I possibly can. I, I do want to add one thing uh, as a, I've been talking about this guy somewhat to consider like when Jeter Downs is really frustrating. Like it's super frustrating. Nick Gonzalez kind of frustrating and stuff like that. One guy that if you're starting to fade Jeter Downs, I'm kind of turning this because I know we're talking fading, but I know we're coming to an end here, but uh, picking up a guy, I think a guy that can move past Jeter Downs here quick. And I don't know if you guys have hit on him a bunch is Reginald Preciado with the Chicago Cubs. And like, I saw a lot of downs and I just recently, I've I've gotten some looks out here at Complex for Preciado. He's an incredible prospect. That's one of those things where as you sometimes I, I like to look at it like this as you fade, who are the guys that are kind of taking over some spots and benchmarkers yeah. and Preciado Preciado and Jeter Downs. They're kind of this like marker for me. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I like Jeter Downs more than Preciado anymore. And um I, that's a guy that I would maybe consider as people are trying to process around it. No one's not enough. People are in on Preciado right now. He's an absolute dude where yep. guys like Jeter Downs are fading and you can make moves with players like Jeter Downs, maybe for Preciado.
1: I was just going to mention that those are the trades I love to do when,
3: yeah, I think
1: Preciado and Downs in, you know, value aren't that far, or potential value aren't that far apart right now. But in terms of name value and trade view, it's like, that's the trades I love to do. Like, all right, if I can get rid of Downs or a player like Downs for a player like Preciado, who I think can be just as good or better, and then get a second piece thrown in, like maybe a, you know, another top 100, 150 piece and arm. Maybe or a Daniel like
3: Espino, that. maybe a yeah, Daniel Espino, Espino. and Redzo Preciado for Jeter Downs. Boom. Take yeah, it.
1: I would, I would do that deal in a heartbeat because yeah, so I think Preciado could be just as good. Added another piece that I really like too. Um, Yeah, that that is a great, great thing to do. I love doing those t- t- trades like that. But I think that's gonna wrap us up though. Well, before we get out of here, anything you want to pump going on over at ITL or anything like that?
3: Oh, no, not really. I mean, uh, like the one big thing is my prospect update. I do an update every month in season. I do two updates. Uh, we did it during the draft. So my update, uh, on Thursday is coming out on Patreon. If people want to check it out, it's brand new month. It's easy to sign up top 500 prospects. Uh, I've got first year player, um I also do it by rounds so people can kind of see like the relative rounds of the players. I've got my dynasty rank and there's just a bunch of stuff people can check out. I also do some once a month um these fun streams where I, we get actually I've got this right here you would love, actually I'm going to show you this thing real quick. I'm going to show you this. So I do these things where I break some cards cuz I'm a big nerd and I and I love memorabilia. You guys can see no one else can see. I've got a wall <laughs> he, of baseballs he, back there. He it's here. a ton. That's close to being filled. I just Hel- got some new ones. Helmets and yeah, so go we got again. yeah. We got Riley Green right here. There's Riley nice. Green. There's Eloy Jimenez, Ed Howard, Corbin Carroll. And then we got some new baseballs to the list over here. Presciado, Edbert. But what I do in these events is I have some giveaways. So like last month I gave away a Jaron Duran in-person autograph card. We do break some cards. And then I have these raffles for like awesome items. And this was the big raffle item oh, that went off. And take a look out that. at take a look at who that is. Jared nice. nice. Duran signed bat. In Look red. That. It's beautiful nice. red. That, the person that, that won is, it got to be infuriated.
1: Signa- that's a great signature. Yeah,
3: yeah, I haven't sent this off yet, and they're just infuriated. I gotta get this off. But jaron Duran signed bat. Um, so that's some of the stuff that I, I do these cool things. I didn't mean to give that a big plug, but I do these once a month where it's raffles, giveaways, card breaks, just try to make it fun. You guys do the same thing. I highly suggest everybody consider supporting independent creators. You guys do great things for the fantasy dynasty world with prospects. I try to do the same thing. So if you want, come and check it out. But that's all I got, guys. I just appreciate you having me on. I couldn't do like, you know, a a big crazy one. So I appreciate you guys having me on for an hour. And I always love talking with you and excited to get you guys both back on uh, Prospect One here soon.
1: Absolutely. Sure. Thanks for coming on. You're a friend of the podcast, friend to all. Everyone should go check out everything that Welsh does over at ITL and Prospect One. Great stuff. Highly recommended. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again this week. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I know I did. You can follow us on Twitter. Welsh is at Is It The Welsh? Clegg is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross04 on our show at Fantrex Toolshed. And check out all of our written work over at fantrexhq.com And make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.